Hello, and thank you for listening to the Green Room Podcast, a podcast where I talk to my friends about things they are passionate about. Check me out at facebook.com slash greenroompodcast. That's green with an E at the end. Or you can email me at greenroom at gmail.com. In this episode, my friend Sherry and I will be talking about child sexual abuse. She shares her story about the abuse that she received, how she has dealt with that abuse, and the after effects of it all. We also talk about some suggestions to make sure that this does not happen to your children. Anyway, enjoy the show as much as possible. Hello, Sherry, and welcome to the Green Room Podcast. Hello. So, how do we know each other? Um, it's been like 10 years now. I think you're part of the Swing Dancing Society when I came down to Houston like 10 years ago. It's been, yeah. I mean, we, I guess we were both on the Houston Hepcats around 2014, 16, somewhere around there. Yeah. So that's probably when we started started, like, yeah, 2013 getting to become friends. Yeah, you started before me. You were more advanced. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's probably when we became friends, swing dance buddies, and then uh, I don't know. We just that's that's mostly the extent of our friendship. We've hung out outside of that, of course. Occasional um, and such board games and stuff. Board games, of course. Yeah, I, everyone I've ever hung out with has board games with us in common. That's pretty <laughs> standard. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Cool. So what are we going to be talking about today? Um, Let's see. What was the name I gave it? Um, Topics. Child sexual abuse. Yes. That was the first of the topics, which are all sort of related to that. Yeah. Let's see. Also... Oh, yeah. Child sexual abuse, rape, and living with the aftermath of it all. Yes. So those are the things we will be talking about. So, yeah. Why is this something that you wanted to talk about? Um, well, I guess part of it is awareness. Uh, you hear all the time, like, um, don't wear, like, inappropriate clothing because you're going to like get raped in like a back alley or something. Right. But like it all happened to me through somebody I knew like older brother, um, stepdad, father, um, sister's friend, like all that kind of molds into it too. Mm -hmm. Um, Also like just as a side note, my entire family, they've had something happen along these lines also but they sweep it under the rug like every one of them so it's kind of been has had a traumatic experience like this and they just pretend it didn't happen or pretend it wasn't a big deal pretty much yeah yeah like forget it move on oh oh, i hate that (laughs) yeah so it's kind of been my like unofficial thing to like if somebody is interested in like learning about it I have no problem telling my story about it. Yeah. Heavy topic. (laughs) 
Yes, I want to say something along the lines of like that's very brave of you, but that I don't know if that comes off as like condescending or annoying in some way. <laughs> this is one of the other things. Like if you tell somebody about any of this, um, nobody knows how to take it. Right. Um, if it's someone who's religious, they're like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for that. Um, I'll pray for you and your soul," type of thing. Um, someone who's not religious or is like, "I'm I'm sorry you had to go through that," um, yeah. and then in conversation like ends. <laughs> right. Oh, so how's the weather now? You want to talk about exactly. anything else? Um. So I see here that you have an event timeline. Is that? something you want to go through that and then expand on each pace. Okay. So I guess super long story short. Um, we got time. Yeah. But like as like a starting piece, um, oh, the, the intro table the of intro. contents. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, so essentially from before I can remember until I was about seven or eight, my older brother sexually abused me and and my older sister. And during that time, he also raped my sister at some point. Mm -hmm. And then like around seven, my parents got divorced. Um, and we kind of went into like a in divorce counseling. So like each of the children kind of goes like into therapy and like they talk oh, about yeah. the divorce. And it wasn't until then that I kind of understood that what was happening to me was not normal. Right. You were so yeah. young when it started. You didn't realize this was unusual. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is how older brothers act. I mean, nothing's wrong with it. But oh, this is then, why I hate anytime someone says boys will be boys. Oh, yeah. Or like, it's probably not his fault. Like, he got the idea from somewhere. Yeah. That's but what about the people that got affected by it? <laughs> right. You can't just sweep that under the rug. Yeah. I remember during that time, like, uh, the therapist or whoever, um, had these like anatomically correct dolls and mm -hmm. like they would point to like a, a little dangly bit and like, what is, what do you call that? And I say pee pee. And they're like, okay. Um, and they point to my stuff and they're like, what do you call that? And I'm like, Oh, vagina or something like that. And they're like, where did they touch you type of thing? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, that's not right. I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, so that happened around seven. And at that point, I thought my parents had been told about like the content of those sessions, but I'm not oh. entirely sure at this point. <laughs> I've, I've, the counselors, it seems like they should have been required to tell you, but... You're saying they don't, they might not have. I don't know because my mom has blocked that out of her memory. <laughs> oh, excellent. And I don't talk to my father anymore. Understandable. So yeah, not entirely sure about that point in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think I've blocked out some stuff too. Also understandable. Yeah. Trauma is kind of funny that way. Like some parts just like stick in your brain and never leave. And then, like, I was so young, like, I probably just, like, didn't remember the small stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, after they got divorced, went through counseling, um, 
we moved in with my mom, me and my sister with my mom and then my brother with my father. And um, my stepdad moved in with us. At that point, he was just my mom's boyfriend from like they were together in like middle school or something. And they reconnected oh, wow. and mm-hmm. they he moved up to Minnesota and then we moved to Colorado together. And I think I was in like third grade, fourth grade or something. And like one day, um, like the cops come knocking on our door and I was like watching wrestling with him at that point. With your stepdad? Yeah. Yeah. And like they take him out of the house and I have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. And then from that time on, like all I knew is that something happened between him and my sister. Like nobody told me anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was when I was a freshman in high school, um, like he was not able to be around minors for years, but when I was a freshman in high school, my mom and him finally got married. Uh, she told me one random afternoon to like find another ride home from volleyball practice. And I'm like, okay, why? And she's like, well, I'm going to get married. I'm like, oh, okay. Just like that. Just like that. So they got married. And then she told me that we were going to be moving down to Texas with him. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like that spring break, um, my sister came home from college. And like we had a conversation about like what actually happened that time. So yeah. that night. Um, so this was like, before, I don't know, five, six years after. Yeah. It was a good time after. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about it. She's like, I thought you knew. And I'm like, I have no idea what happened. So she said um, one night um, he was drunk and he came into her room and got into bed with her and started feeling her up. And then she like tensed up and like kind of like pushed him away a little bit. And then he just left and like nothing was said again. Um, so I said, I told my mom, like when we were driving one time, like, I don't want to move in with him. She's like, I thought you were fine with it. I'm like, no, (laughs) I just found out what Uh, happened. New information has come to light and I've changed my mind based on that new information. Yeah. So her response was to put me into therapy to change my mind. That's not what therapy's for. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, no. I hate this. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, okay. So, like, I was there for a few months, and then um, most of the time I was talking to my therapist about my mom and how my mom does not have, like, realistic expectations and how, like, she should be in therapy, and I, like, more than me. Right. And... <laughs> Probably my everyone mom, can use therapy, but she everyone can use therapy, but like she's, I guess selfish is kind of the word, mm-hmm. but I don't know. That's a whole different topic. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she thought that it would change my mind. I told her it didn't, um, still forced me to move down to Texas with him. And so. You told her why at this point, I assume. And did yeah, what yeah. Was her response to that. Um, she said it didn't happen to me. 
so it shouldn't affect me. That's such bad reasoning. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so they moved down where, there with him. Um, then after we finished like packing up everything, I had to go visit my, my dad for like the force like visitation by the court for like a month. And then I moved down to Texas. Your dad who you don't talk to anymore. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, on the way I went to stay with my sister for two weeks. Um, she was working at like a kind of like a Girl Scout camp for the summer. Mm-hmm. And like I spent a week with her at the Girl Scout camp. Then she got fired because she was out partying one night. Okay. And then um, she took me down to Houston. And we partied with some of her friends. And one of those nights, um, like I'm 15 at this point. You're 15. How old's your sister? She's, and her friends? She's about five years older than me. So she's like 19, 20. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so one of those nights, there's a party. Um, she get leaves me downstairs to go upstairs to like hook up with one of her friends. And the guy gets me drunk and then like kind of rapes me. Um, so I kind of, because at the moment I didn't think it was. It's kind of like the... Um, there was never an ask for consent. I was 15. He was like 22. I mean, that enough. Statutory makes rape. It yeah. Rape for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're sort of talking about how like nowadays there's a lot more emphasis on like, um, enthusiastic consent. And you're just saying there wasn't a flat out. No, mm-hmm. that's why you're saying kind of, I mean, it still definitely was. Yeah, it definitely was, but at the moment, I didn't feel like it was. Right, okay. Yeah. So, like, he kind of, <laughs> so he was of, like, Middle Eastern descent, and he said, like, in his culture, it's, like, an honor to take someone's virginity. And, That's like, when he was creepy. my age, an older older lady took his virginity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and kind of funny the next day told my sister about it. And she also treated it like as a rite of passage. That, why? So your sister was also sort of in this denial boat. I guess that's what you said at the beginning of the podcast. I don't know why I expected anything differently. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so... um like, I kind of see it as, like, if you have any kind of, like, sexual trauma, you kind of go one of two ways. One mm-hmm. being, like, you're completely, like, you don't do anything sexual. Um, you're seen like, as, like, the prude type of person. Um, mm, yeah. And, like, sex in general just turns you off. Um, or you go the second way where, like, you're over-sexualized. Um hop on anyone type of thing. So right. I went one way. My sister kind of went the other. I so see. her, like just a regular 
type of interaction is just go have sex with somebody. I want to say, hopefully this doesn't come off as a judging you, but it sounds like both of those are not the healthiest of coping mechanisms. I'm not saying they are. (laughs) It's like, um, if you're not in therapy, like this is kind of like what you have going on. (laughs) Like you find your own way to cope and usually not healthy. Mm -hmm. So I mean, yeah, all of this sounds like it would easily mess somebody up for a bit and require them to get some help. Oh yeah. Sorry, but this isn't where the story ends. This is not the end yet. (laughs) So, um, fast forward a few years, I'm in college. Um, it's like my, my freshman year of college. I met somebody at like, um, I went to AM and they have something called fish camp. It's like where you mm-hmm. learn all the traditions you. <clears throat> oh yeah. Like orientation week. Yeah. Like orientation week. You, um, yeah, it's kind of a crazy time, but like you're at a summer camp type of thing, but it's right. a bunch of college yeah. kids. We had that at Rice. Yeah. Um, so somebody in my, like they call it the DG groups. It's like your discussion group, like 10 people or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody in there, like I made friends with and a little way into the first semester, like, um, I kind of go and hang out with him and we start kind of having sex. This is like the first time I had done anything since I was 15. Right. And like the entire time in my head, I'm like screaming, no, stop. Like I cannot physically bring myself to like stop the situation. Right. Yeah. And like also some of the first time, like there was no consent. It was just like he kind of like put himself on top of me and then. Yeah, it was like, I'm trying to think of what the word for that is. I mean, it's rape, but. um, Yeah. Like the. There's some more specific terms. Date rape. I mean, that's what they tell you it is in college. Yeah. Applying, assuming people will just have sex with you and that they need to say no, as opposed to saying that they need to enthusiastically say yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Still not okay. So that happened. Um, The next day he like kind of wanted to like continue our relationship, but I was like, I can't. Right. Sorry, but I can't. <laughs> um, feel free to not answer this if you do not want to, um, which goes to everything I say ever, yeah. not even just today. Do you, do you, can you articulate why you didn't say anything? Um, like after going to therapy after that, um, I think it was because like my defense mechanism is just to like completely shut down. Freeze, dissociate. Freeze. Yeah. So like you're, I can kind of remember like having like an out of body experience. Yeah. Or like you're kind of watching the situation happen, but it's like on TV where like you're yelling at the TV, but nothing's going to change. Um, yeah. Sort of like, um, 
a defense mechanism. You like part of your brain sections off your consciousness to make it seem like this is happening to someone else. So it's not as bad. Yeah. That's sort of what it feels like, I guess. Yeah. Brain's a crazy thing. Um, <laughs> kind of weird that it has these associate that it has these mechanisms for doing these things that should not happen, but unfortunately do. Yeah, I've had many of those defense mechanisms over the years. <laughs> um. So then, after this, that. Would you say that was the last? The last, like... I want to say traumatic experience. Yeah, the last negative or traumatic experience was pretty much that. Yeah. And then after that, you started therapy? Yeah. So... Like um, a, a legit therapy, not the bullshit, whatever the hell <laughs> was the going on? Not the bullshit therapy. <laughs> so, um, it wasn't like that year, but... Um, like I was in engineering for the first two and a half years of college and I mm-hmm. was like super stressed out and um, like I had a bad professor essentially like yell at me for asking a question. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It was like physics. It was like physical. Person. <sighs> I don't know. I was in like civil engineering and it was like some kind of statics and dynamics or f- physics something. I don't remember the name of the class. Professor can't handle being asked questions. What kind of professor are you? He yelled at me saying like, you should know this already. I'm like, I I, I don't. (laughs) Like, yeah, he was not helpful. So I switched my major. Um, It was like my backup, backup option. Um, Mm -hmm. And thought I would try to become like a social worker. And since I've had like all this trauma, I was like, I need to like work through this before even like getting into school for it. Um, right. so like I switched my major to sociology and I went to like therapy that was like ran through like the psychology school. So like there was like a PhD student and I was like working through stuff with them. So yeah, I was really helpful. Um, I think I was in there for like a year and we unpacked a whole lot. (laughs) You were unpacking this stuff about the abuse. Yeah. Abuse, rape, sexual issues in general. Also. This person wasn't like a proper therapist though. They were a grad student. I I tried like a proper therapist. um, But like the one that was assigned to me, like by my insurance was like some old lady that was religious and she kind of told me to pray about it. (laughs) That's not what therapy is for either. Yeah. um, (sighs) Yeah. So side note, I am, I am um, atheist um, partially because of all this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you... If you are religious and like you think that faith will help you like work through a situation, that's great. If that it helps you, not. then you go for it. <laughs> yeah. But that is not the experience for everybody. No. And you should not try this one size fits all solution because we are all different people. Yeah. With different experiences and different backgrounds. 
so hard for people to understand this. Yes. But yeah, so um, I went to like two sessions with her and I was like, nope, that's not going to work. <laughs> and it was like... It is tricky with, the ther- with therapy in general because sometimes like the, the most useful thing isn't like the techniques that your therapist uses necessarily. What's yeah. most useful is having a therapist you connect with. And exactly. so sometimes you have to go through so many of them in order to get to where you need. And that itself is such a hard problem and insurance sure as hell doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was going to say, like each of those sessions was like $50 each and I'm like in college, (laughs) I have like a part-time job and like my mom's like low middle to low income. So like, that's not going to help much. So Mm -hmm. thankfully like A&M like had like even a problem. Yeah. Like A&M had like a, a psych program that like, students could get like sessions for $5 each Mm. and like the psych PhD students could like test out their or like train their skills. Like they've gone through some certification and they've gone through at least a graduate degree. So it's like, not like they're just like putting a toe in the water. They've gone through stuff. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like I got assigned a learning Mm -hmm. hospital, but for psychology. Yeah, pretty therapy. much. <laughs> but yeah, it. Um, I got assigned. I don't remember her name, but like she was awesome. Um, she like had no shame, and mm-hmm. I felt like so comfortable talking with her um, about pretty much anything, which is like yeah. a huge thing about therapy, like you said. Right, you got to have that connection more than anything. Yeah. Um, So was that the extent of your therapy or are you comfortable talking about any therapy you're still going through now? Um, Like I, I went through that with um, that therapist and then she moved to California and I got assigned somebody else and there was just like no Mm -hmm. connection there. So like I kind of dropped off on therapy then and Yeah. Yeah. But I had worked through enough that, like, I was comfortable, like, stopping therapy at that time. Um, Recently, like, I did, um, like, start using, what's it called, BetterHelp, I think, or Talkspace. Yeah. Yeah, it's like um, a service that's, like, provided by my work. App-based therapies, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because, How's that worked out for you? I've gone to a handful of sessions. Um, like it's, it's helpful, but like it's virtual. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's, it's you do never just the same. voice text or do you get video? I did the video and audio, but like mm-hmm. the therapist I was assigned, like she's a, a mother of like a young child. And sometimes like she would have to leave to like mm. calm her child down. Right. And like, yeah, and the sessions are only half an hour, so yeah, everything's rushed. So, yeah. I mean, it helps a little bit. We've been talking for half an hour and uh, just scratching the surface. This is like, yeah, <laughs> this is just doing discovery. I guess you would do discovery the first time and hopefully do some actual therapy in the later sessions. Um, sorry, one thing I just thought of. Yeah, talking to your kids about 
anatomically correct words, like yeah. saying penis, vulva, vagina, things like this are very important. Um, I just remember a story where there was a little girl who would tell her teacher that her uncle ate her cookie. And oh, yeah. to the teacher, that seemed perfectly natural. And then the teacher just like happened to mention it to the mom and the mom understood that that was not an innocent thing to say and that started off a whole thing. But yeah, it's very important to use proper words for your kids. They can handle yeah. it, I promise. Yeah, like um, I took some psych classes when I was going through the sociology degree and like they're there is like no age where like you should be like, okay, now they're ready. Like there is age appropriate, like terminology for every age group. Right. So it's not like, oh, my kid's 13 now. They're like going through puberty. Oh, I should talk to them about sex now. Cause mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's like the, the standard. Think about it. And yeah. Sometimes 13 year olds are already having sex or yeah. being assaulted as you pointed out. Yeah, like mine started probably like around when I was four, maybe. And my brother was like nine. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. My kids know penis and vulva. Mm -hmm. And they, I'm pretty sure they know um, about what is appropriate and inappropriate touching. Yeah. And who should be like, you know, helping them in that area. Yeah. And who should not, which is everybody. Yeah. Mom and dad and doctors that mom and dad approve of. Yeah. It must be really frustrating as an atheist to be, to be told just pray as if that's actually going to do anything. Um, Oh yeah. Um, So I've told like religious people before about my story and mm -hmm. one person I remember Um, like I told her about it and she kind of like sat there for a minute and she was thinking that she came back with, it kind of sounds like there's a sexual curse on your family. The fuck does that mean? Like the devil put a curse on my family type of thing. That's not a real thing. It sounds like there's just some shit people and we got to cut them out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird because I actually think people use religion a lot to sort of try and justify their trauma that they've experienced. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. People will have bad stuff happen to them and then turn to religion to try and say, oh, well, I had to suffer through all that so that in the afterlife I'll be better or whatever. I know there's a bunch of different ways that people experience their religion but this particular strain is terrible in my opinion i hate it so much yeah and they've like i've had people try to put that on me too they're like oh you went through all this terrible stuff in the past and your life is great now so you you realize how great your life is now because of that past no like negating all of like the trauma I went through. <laughs> if God was all good and all powerful, he could have helped me to realize how good my life is without the trauma. That's my side rant. Yeah. I'm done with religion. Okay. 
in this conversation for now. Um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> so this part I'm uh, in your notes, I'm a little bit interested in, and it's your list of triggers. So what is the first trigger you have listed here? Um, the name Nick or Nicholas. And what is your husband's name? Nick or Nicholas, but I call him Nikki because of this purpose. I started referring to him as Nikki um, just whenever I talk to my wife. Yeah. So, um, so I know my older brother's name, the one who like abused me when we were growing up is Nick. Mm, mm -hmm. And like I met my husband through a dating app. Oh, and yeah. Um, like when you first, um, are like messaging between each other, like you have a username, you don't know each other's actual name. Right. Right. Yeah. And it got to the point where like, he asked me to like go out to like dinner with him. And then we exchanged our real names. And I was like, I was like very much thinking about like skipping the date yeah. and like not going out with him. Because his name was my brother's name. Yeah, that would be weird. I yeah. can't even imagine what that's like. Um, but you, so you feel like that's obviously not as much of a trigger anymore. It's something you've been able to overcome, maybe? Yeah, it's not much anymore. But like, I still have random flashbacks if I say Nick or Nicholas. Yeah. Um, to like what my brother did to me in the past. Right. So it reminds me of a type of, I have a psychology degree, so I know a little bit of things, um, but there's a therapy technique. I don't know if it's called exposure technique or if it's like based on that idea. Um, yeah. But the idea is like, if you're really scared of snakes, the general idea is all of your experiences with snakes have been fear-based yeah and so if you can start introducing new non-fear-based experiences with snakes like you don't just throw a snake at somebody but you know you're in a gymnasium and there's you on one side and a snake on the other and yeah you have and like this gradually experience. Oh, you it like... turns out it was okay and it's not a big deal and then you can slowly bring it in so maybe actually dating and marrying nikki has helped in some way with that I don't yeah know. yeah I would say it has helped um it's not as triggering anymore but side note it is triggering for my sister um and the yeah. name Nick yeah oh. the name Nick the name Nicholas um we were talking about it like a few years ago like what she um like can call him she was like, does he have a middle name? I'm like, Alan. But Alan is the name of one of our creepy uncles also. Not helpful either. So she's like, oh. Um, so she also just calls him Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So here you also have listed that another trigger is people talking about their childhoods. Yeah. This is one that not many people think about. So like, mm -hmm. oh, my childhood was like happy and fun. I ran around with my friends. We had like long summers and all that kind of stuff. Right. But like, 
I try to like pick and choose time from my childhood that was actually kind of like, I don't know, not terrible. (laughs) You try to focus on the least bad parts. Yeah, the least bad parts. Like, and I make a joke about it. Like, there was this one time when, like, my sister was pretending that me and my brother were horses and she made us eat flowers. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound great either. That's, like, one of, like, the very few um, memories that's not terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Every other one is, like, my brother coming up behind me and putting, like, this sock that he filled with other socks that he liked to pretend that was a penis. And like, he put that in my pants and I'm like, Oh, mm, no, that thank one like you. pops into my house all the time in my brain all the time. <laughs> yeah. So Ugh. like, yeah, I, every time like colleagues talk about like, tell me a time in your childhood when like that pops X. in my head first. I'm like, Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Say, I'm sorry. These are, I will not be talking about my childhood, but here's a similar like, story. I don't know. Like, what do you tell a colleague that? Cause you're supposed to be like professional, but. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is tricky. Which is my way of saying that's fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, so um like the moments of flashbacks happen at those points pretty regularly. Mhm. Like no amount of therapy has been able to like minimize that. Yeah. So it's like you just uh, your body learns like to have certain reactions to certain behaviors and they eventually just become automatic and to try and break those are extremely difficult. Yeah. So kind of going along with like talking about work culture, um, like I see a lot of like side effects from what I went through, like appear in my regular day to day life. And like, it's it's probably less than it used to be, but mm-hmm. still present. So things like anxiety over like stuff I don't have control over, like that happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And like depression has been something I've been dealing with since I was like real young, since before I can remember. Right. Yeah. As soon as you mentioned your abuse was starting probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like at moments where like, I can remember thinking about like staying up night and thinking about why is my life like this? What did I do to deserve it type of thing? And then crying myself to sleep. That's like mm-hmm. childhood depression to me. And then. That sounds, sounds like yeah. it. Yeah, and then kind of evolving into, like, the not wanting to get out of bed in the morning and being late to stuff because you're trying to find meaning in whatever you're doing, and it just Mm -hmm. doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Does sound like depression. 
Yeah. And like <laughs> another kind of side effect is that like I get lost in like stories that like are like fantasy type of stuff. So mm, yeah. like specific, specifically with Harry Potter growing up, like I started reading it in fifth grade and like I would go into like these like, I don't know what you call it. Like binge. Per- yeah. I would go into a binge or like I would stay up until like four or five in the morning, even if it was like a school day the next day and just like escape into like this story. So I wouldn't have to deal with like what I was going through. Sounds a little bit like the dissociation we were talking about earlier. Oh yeah. That's, that's a big thing. Like, um, I kind of used to think about it like I would have maybe like moments every once in a while where I was like lucid. So like mm-hmm. kind of wake up and kind of realize what's going on. But then majority of the time I was like on like autopilot. Yeah. And yeah. And I would have like different selves. So like, I have my school self where like you have to like pay attention and like be active with people and kind of put on a mask. Um, So people don't know that you're going through stuff. And meanwhile at home, like that would come off and I would just go into a hole type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a trained clinical psychologist, but everything you keep saying sounds like depression. Yep, yep, yep. I've been dealing with it my whole life. <laughs> I put a name to it when I was in college. <laughs> Didn't know what it was before. Oh, yeah. Do you find yeah. that having a name helps? Yeah. And, like, I can kind of, like, pinpoint behaviors, like, when I am having, like, a downward slope Like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up in the morning. I don't want to do stuff. Um, It's hard for me to, like, do daily chores. This isn't healthy. I'm going Mm -hmm. downhill. And then I try to think about, like, a way I can get out of it. So I've never, like, been on antidepressants, but I've kind of used other things, like coping mechanisms for that. Mm -hmm. So, like, um, I'm a serial hobbyist. I can um, tell. Yeah. So like in elementary to high school, I was in orchestra or band. So I would like dive into music and like mm-hmm. block other things out. That would be like my focus. And then when I got into college, it got into swing dancing and like I would focus on that and like block everything else out. That would be like my happy time. Yeah. And, and then also since like pandemic happened, like we got indeed into D and D. So that Excellent. was also <laughs> like another way to escape and like focus on Next something else. Just associate, yeah. And pretend yeah. to be someone else. What could be more uh, enjoyable? I mean, I know there are a lot of like negative things about disassoci- disassociation. Um, but like it, it's got it helps me too. like, yeah. Cause like, Sometimes it is good to like push something to the side and focus on something else for a little while and then mm-hmm. deal with deal with it when you're ready. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes like you're going through so much you you 
mentally cannot handle it at that time. There, there are times for different things. And sometimes, uh, I don't know, your brain wants now to be the time. And you can be like, no, I choose not to. And then we'll yeah. just deal with that later. Which I yeah. think once I think that is actually like a good level to reach. Like if you always have to deal with everything right as it comes up into your mind, that is much more difficult and harder to get by to get through life than if you actually have the ability to put things off to the side. Yeah. But that kind of ties into one of my other like kind of side effects. <laughs> Cause like, yes, I can push it to the side for a little bit, but then I, I have like a constant state of worrying about stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, it's always in the back of my head, like, like for my job, like I'm a software developer. And one of the things that they push us to do is to get a certification, but I haven't gotten one and it's always in the back of my head. And it's so hard to start on that. Cause I'm like, it's not going to be a fun time. And like, it's going to be a whole lot of work. And um, sometimes like focusing is an issue also. Like I've mm-hmm. never, I'm not at like the level like of like ADHD, but like focus is still kind of hard. Um, yeah. cause I got all this anxiety and this depression built on. <laughs> right. So like getting down to the point where like, I just need to study something because it's something that my work is needing, but I just can't start on it because I have these other things I'm also thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Starting thing starting new things is hard. Yeah. Unless it's something that like, you know, you're really drawn to and you like find it super interesting, but Yeah. So many things are like I have trouble starting this email to somebody which needed to get sent a month ago and now I'm worried about it not being sent out and so that's causing more anxiety. Yeah. And it just yeah, makes it spiral. Anxiety about the anxiety. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I guess another like side effect I had was, so my husband's family was like going through this time when like a sister-in-law um, like caused some issues and like, it was hard for me to like focus on that um, because it just was like, they had one argument. It's not that big of a deal. Like Mm -hmm. my brain goes back to like, I've had so much more like crap to go through. It's not that big of a thing. Yeah. So it's hard for me to find like a meaning in like their, um, I don't know. My brain goes back to like, it's a trivial thing. So (laughs) it's hard for me to relate. It's like, you don't even understand that like, you could have it so much worse than you even realize. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you said some bad stuff to each other. Apologize. Move on. Like, I guess that kind of goes back to like my whole family issue too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forget about it. Move on. Um, so something like completely random that probably came out of this. Um, so like. As I was like a, I don't know, adolescent, preteen, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Like I never, like I did, I wasn't suicidal, but I never thought that I would be like live to be an adult. I don't know why. 
It just was yeah. something that was always at the back of my head. And so I didn't really plan, like, people ask, what are you going to do when you grow up? I just never had an answer for that. Yeah. So it was just, like, not something that had occurred to you. Yeah. Not that you were planning on dying, but, like, I mean, part of it is, like, as a person who've experienced trauma, I think, like, it's kind of like a flight or fight response that sort of comes in. And then that makes thinking about long-term decisions makes that very difficult. Yeah. Because you're constantly worried about the now and not the future. Right. So that makes total sense, which is unfortunate, which is the most generous way of saying that when I want to just be mad at everything. Yeah. Um, I still kind of have this feeling like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, Mm -hmm. so like when I was a junior in high school, I'm like, well, I guess I'm good at math and I'm good at science. So I guess I'll go into engineering. That didn't work out. And I was like, well, I went through this trauma. Um, maybe I can use that and help other people. Well, that didn't work out. (laughs) Okay. What are my friends doing? Oh, computer science. Well, that's, math and science and I was good at that so and they like they seem to be doing all right in their life so I guess I'll go do that yeah and that's what I'm doing now (laughs) that kind of worked out it was very reactionary as opposed to like forethought planned out type deal I mean when I have the thought I do like think long term on it I'm like well how what's that going to look like in the future but it's like Mm -hmm. never like oh I want to do this type of thing Yeah, it's not something you're necessarily, like, passionate about. Yeah, and, like, one thing that, like, my job is kind of pushing is, like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what are your ambitions? I'm like, I don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just want to exist. Definitely not with you guys. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) like, my goal in life is just to, like, be comfortable. Is that such a bad thing? (laughs) Yeah. Just give me a universal basic income and I'll be good. I mean, I'll help like society, but <laughs> I don't want to run it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Tricky, tricky. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. Well, maybe as we hang out, we'll be able to talk more about that. Yeah. Um, but for now, I think we just want to reiterate the kind of purpose of why we, you wanted to talk about this topic and share your story. Yeah. I guess the kind of thing I wanted to put out there is that like, it's never too young to like have your children aware of what's like a good thing and what's a bad thing in terms of like relationships with people and mm-hmm. like how they interact. So like you kind of said, teach children like the anatomically correct names of their body parts. And teach them what touches are appropriate and inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, don't just assume that like, um, like one thing was like my uncle or my father would always like require a hug type of thing. Like, I'm your dad. Just give me a hug type of thing. Yeah. Or as your uncle, 
you should love them, go give them a hug. Like they shouldn't be forced into those type of interactions. Yeah. I've had family get mad that I do not require my children to hug them. Yeah. Hug or kiss. If they don't want to hug you right now. They don't need to hug you right now. Yeah. You're lucky to get a high five or a wave. Yeah. And like, if you encourage those type of interactions and like you leave your kids with them, like you don't know what's going to happen during that time. Right. They don't, they won't know if something, I guess they won't know, like this thing makes them feel uncomfortable. They might not have ever really had that type of experience and they don't know what to do about it. You got to talk yeah, about these things like, ahead of time. If you're encouraging that type of behavior towards like an uncle or a brother or something, and and the kid's going to be like, oh, they want me to do this. Okay, so I'll do it. Oh, yeah. They'll think I have to do this thing because a grown-up tells me to. Yes. And, and you're taught to trust grown-ups. Taught to trust all grown-ups, which is also absurd. Yeah. So, yeah, here's some friendly parenting advice on how to avoid uh, or help your children not get sexually abused. Yeah. I'm not a parent yet, but... I was a child. <laughs> you, everyone was a child. So we can always talk about at least some experiences we've had. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Sherry, with us. Is there anything that you would like to plug about yourself? Well, my current serial hobby um, has been YouTubing. I've been doing that yeah, for a few I've months seen now. Some of it. Yeah, so this one is like all about kind of DIYing or home renovation or craftiness. Um, my channel first, is called. Sorry, go on. My channel is called Sherry Getting Crafty, all one word. <laughs> Sherry Getting Crafty. I'll put a link to that in the doobly doo. Um, I watched the first YouTube video you had, which, and then like three days later, um, one of the neighbors put a pallet on the curb. To be, I guess, to get away. So I actually got it, and then I s took my jigsaw to it to cut it up because oh, breaking the thing apart was not working. Um, I know. But yeah, <laughs> but you encouraged me to actually get the uh, get the wood and start doing something with it. I think we made nice. a little table and some other stuff. All right. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for letting me tell my story. Mm -hmm.